so welcome. My name is Kim Lambert, and um, for the last three years, I've been uh, working full-time with Let's Start Talking as the executive coordinator, and, uh, but my journey with Let's Start Talking began in 1989, when Scott and I, um, we were here at Pepperdine, and we had kind of gotten tapped on the shoulder by some friends who said, you should look at this ministry. And so we recruited and trained our first two teams at Pepperdine and sent them on an LST project. And I guess we could just say that it's stuck. <laughs> and we've been involved in some form years. or fashion for, for 30 years. Yeah. <coughs> so it's great to be with you today. And some of you have been with us all week and have come Wednesday and Thursday and now today Friday. Some of you, there's so many good choices out there, um, despite maybe your first time with us. And so I wanted to just give you a brief um, look at what we did on Wednesday and Thursday before we move to a panel uh, that we're going to have today. So on Wednesday, we really focused on the what. What is LST? What is friend speak? And if we, in, in the LST world, we like to say very simply that we um, help create life changing conversations around the world and across the street. That we share Jesus and we use the book of Luke. Those are very simple uh, what we do. Of course, there, if you were here on Wednesday, you know there's so much more to that. But we are helping to create life-changing conversations. We are seed-planting ministry. So then on Thursday, we talked about the how. And how does someone uh, get involved with Let's Start Talking and go on a project? How does someone start a friend speak ministry at their church? Uh, the how part. And we kind of, we have a training program that's usually three or four hours. We did it on steroids. We did 45 minutes of some of our best principles and philosophies. And so we talked a little bit about um, the word is the teacher, and our life is the illustration. It's one of our principles. Um, sharing Jesus, sharing ourselves. Um, do what it takes to keep them coming back. You don't have to have agreement to continue. And so those of you that were with us, um, you got a little taste of our training, and I hope that um, inspired you to maybe look at it a little bit further for your situation, to go overseas with us on a project, or to perhaps consider friends speak at home. So that was our how. So we had the what, and we had the how, and today we're gonna to talk a little bit about the why. And in my kind of educational training, I've always been told that you do the why first. Mm. So we should have done that on Wednesday. But it's so important the why is that we kind of were saving the best for last because we wanted you to go home with the pressure in your mind and in your hearts uh, to take home the why and so uh, i've pulled together a panel of people who understand the why i brought and searched for every executive director that LST has ever had. Four years ago. And then a special guest. So I've asked Mark and Cherry Lee Woodward, who are the founders of Let's Start Talking, and we're co-executive directors uh, in a ministry that's almost 40 years old. And I figured, I mean, this was by design. If they don't know the why, then we're all in trouble, right? <laughs> because they had to know the why before we even started, before the Lord even put this, as a Lord started to put this on their heart. And then I've asked Scott Lambert, my husband, who has now been the executive director for three years, and he too really needs to know the why as he helps to bring the ministry forward into this next generation. We are going to celebrate 40 years next year. Let me praise God for that. And then we've asked Betty Milliken, Mulliken, Mulliken to join us because she is, she is living out the why right now at Lo uh, the Broadway Church in Lubbock. And we have asked her to come and just share their story a little bit about why they are doing LST and why they're doing Friends but then after that, more importantly, we want to hear, we want to save a little more time than we have the last couple of days to hear more questions about the what, 
the how, the why. What do you need from us before you go home um, as you've kind of journeyed with us this week? Okay? So let's start with prayer, and then I'm going to pepper our panel with some questions. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, Friday at 3.15 in Malibu, where the sun is shining, and the beach is available to us, but you have us right here. You want us to be in this room together to share the why. Why are so many people participating in LST, thinking about Friends Speak? What have you put on our hearts that makes us curious about how to share our faith? And so we thank you for this moment. We ask that you be with us in our conversations and that we just give you the glory for what we do today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So, Scott, I think I'll start with you. I'll warm up with you. <laughs> um, so, earlier this week on Tuesday, uh, we talked a little bit about the need for a riot to raise the evangelistic temperature of our churches, and that that's a challenge for our church leaders. So, can you talk a little bit about that common dilemma that churches face? Yeah, and, and, and this falls in the why category, mm-hmm. and um, kind of have two two whys that always stand out to me. First why is probably the most obvious. Why? Because um, LST, Friends Speak are tools in 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 bringing people to Christ. So, so there, that that ought to just stop the, the answer right there. They're tools in that. Um, around the world in LST International and then at home now in Friends Speak domestic uh, that, that's probably the biggest why people become Christians. Um, as we talked a little bit about all this, though, I wanted to have some time to talk about the why for our local churches. Uh, because I think just the first why is on all of our hearts, but that seems like such a big deal. How do I save the world that you almost, you know, I almost shut down when I have too much guilt put on me about the why. So, uh, I've heard the term recently, glocalization, uh, global and local. How do you have your eyes on both global and local? You know, act global, uh, think globally, act locally and globally. And so I want to talk just for a second or two and put my church hat back on, my local church leader hat back on, and talk through that, that maze for just that matrix, or maze, that matrix for a moment or two on the why. I think church leaders and church influencers, because I think everyone that's here is one of both. You're either a church leader or a church influencer because you've taken time off to come and be interested in stuff like this. I see it in in, in two particular ways for church influencers and church leaders. First, you have to find the mission that you're supposed to do as a church. And that's actually really hard. I've been in two churches where I've been a part of trying to find and divine a mission for the church. Um, in my background in heritage, it, we, I maybe grew up in a franchise approach. Well, you got your mission, just do it. Shut up your, the local church. And I think what has evolved over the last few years has been real powerful. Each church is supposed to find their mission for the outpost that God has put them in. You know, are you an inner city church? Are you a church next to a campus? Are you a family church? Are you, right? Church leaders are supposed to find their mission and number two, get their people on mission. And that's the hard one. I actually think you kind of hold up and divine and pray and ask the Lord and do research to find mission and then call your people on mission. So leaders have to find ways, I don't know what the right, I, I, we used to say programs, I don't like that word anymore, it kind of fell out of favor, so I, I tend to say methods now, to take your mission and then get your people involved in it. So this is where I want to just stop and say, I, I'm not, we're not selling anything today, this is the, the friend speak, let's start talking class, okay, so we're not selling anything, let me say it this way. You've got to find those methods to get your people on mission. Children's ministry, Dave Ramsey, uh, 
guest relations, welcoming, um, inner city work, feeding the homeless. Well, you, you need to have a whole bunch of things at your uh, disposal. Sometimes leaders of groups say, our thing's the greatest thing ever. And it is, of course, you know. Right? <laughs> and, uh, and it may be that LST and Friendspeak don't fit you. Okay, so hear me out. I, you've got to get methods to get your people on mission. And getting your people on mission is always a cyclical approach. There are seasons, there are times, there are high times, there are low times. That's what the leaders have to discern and figure out. Two, two numbers that I learned today, in fact. Um, if the majority of your church is uh, more than five years in the faith, it really gets hard to get them on mission. In the first five years of you coming to Jesus, you are excited, you are inviting your friends, you are doing all kinds of stuff, and, and that just gets harder as time goes on. You know? Number two, if people have been at your church more than two years, the window of opportunity and activity kind of shuts down. The newness is gone. And if people get in a rut of just sitting in the pew, they sit in the pew. And you got about a two-year window. So I, I guess I'm saying that as church leaders, you're looking for methods to get people out and about. And to me, that is a very important why. Because as leaders, that's what we do. We get people, we get people on mission. And, and the people in the pew say, that's what the professionals do. And the professionals know, right, Man, we are in big trouble if you're leaving it to us, if we're dependent on the sermon on a Sunday morning or something. So when it comes to raising the evangelistic temperature of a church, we, we think LST and French speak are pretty well suited as methods. Of the 20 methods you ought to do as a church, I made that number up. I don't know what they are. These two tools, I think, really do raise the evangelistic temperature. And... And it's something that a lot of people can do that they don't, you're going to talk about that in a minute, aren't you? And people can do, and it unleashes them in sharing faith in the gospel. If, if I'm going to kind of leave a, a last point here, I think most people in the pews are, kind of wish they could share their faith with somebody. Some need to be unleashed to go overseas, and... Yeah, I know. I, I can see the finger over here. Everyone's smiling out there, Kim. You can tell me to be quiet. Well, you've already taken two of the things I wanted to say. Oh, no way. <laughs> no. Okay, good. Good. So then we're going to reinforce it. I'm just going to say, you got some people that want the cross-cultural experience. It livens their faith. And some people say, I can do this across the street. These are the kinds of things, if you can get people to sit down one-on-one, -on -one, share their faith, it brings the temperature up in your average journey. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> well, so let's let's tag team on that a little bit. So, um, so if if the method is chosen, that it's let's start talking and or friends speak in a local church, what does that do for for that church? What are what's the why? What are the same yeah. things? And then also for our host sites. So yeah. we send teams on let's start talking overseas to work with a mission site. So you have the why, why that? What's going to happen over there? That makes LST yeah. and Fred speak. Yeah. Um, and I'll start with what it will do for you as an individual. Uh, because um, as a young missionary, um, what kept me up at night was uh, I'm not charming enough. I'm not charismatic enough. I'm not, it wasn't that I didn't know my Bible. I don't draw people to me enough. I can't, you know. If I, if I tell my neighbor, and we talk about everything, but if I, if I mention church or Jesus to her, the wall comes down. Yeah. And I've sat in the church seat, we didn't have pews, church seat, you know, all my life, and when, um, when I'd hear sermons on evangelism, um, I, I, I'd feel so motivated, but then I didn't feel like I had what it what it took. And I think that's what most of our members feel, like you said. And then I think when we fail, 
or when our, the person we're reading with or talking with or we've invested in, they don't come to the Lord, I think we often feel responsible. And um, there, there's some rejection involved. When you preach a sermon and nobody ever comes forward, you know, you know, you feel a little rejected or ineffective. Um, let's start talking change my life. Because if the word is the teacher and I'm the illustration, well, I don't have to be a good illustration. I can be a bad illustration <laughs> of how I'm not following Jesus, you know, how I'm failing. I can be honest, absolutely honest, and um, I can let God worry about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, it's, all, it's off of me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, how many of you are parents? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, can you get your children to, to be faithful Christians? Not, not, not really, there's no formula, is there? There's no guarantee. And so there's no guarantee that anybody we tell the story to is going to respond. So um, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people, isn't it, of sin? Yes. It's off my shoulders, thank you, Lord. You know. So now I like to, like to talk to people. And the other thing was, you know, the, the attractiveness thing. You know, our personal worker is six foot two and he's gorgeous and he's the one that shares the Lord with the waitress every time he goes out to dinner, you know, that kind. Um, it's wonderful, but I can't do that, you know. Can you? Are you going to share with the waitress? You know, you know. You're so, not six foot two. And I'm not six foot two. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what was the other thing? What it does for the mission, uh, the mission church? What it does. Well, I did want to say one more thing. Uh, the people that can do Let's Start Talking effectively and well, and it's all of us, but it, it's the people in your church that they're, right now they're kind of just standing around. They don't know what their seat is on the bus. They don't know what their calling is. Um, they're timid. They're not going to get up in front of a, a group of people, you know. Um, this generation, they don't tell anybody how to do anything. They don't tell anybody, my, my way of thinking about this is better than your way of thinking about this. People don't do that anymore, right? So this, this, this finds those people that are just standing around and they don't have a seat on the bus. Those are the kind of people that all of a sudden they raise their hands and they say, I'll do this. And you think, you? And, and they're the faithful ones that are with their reader all the time, and they find a whole new world that opens up to them of a way to serve the Lord that they had no idea about, that they can do this. They can have the joy of watching someone become attracted to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what we all want. Okay, what does it do for the mission church? Well, the missionary is right there, Andrew, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can ask him, but I'll tell you what most of the missionaries tell us. It's that it, it finds the people they can work with. It, it's the first um, sieve through which all these people that you're trying to get to know and be attractive to and reach out to and serve, you know, it finds the ones, it, it, it reaches a lot of those at, all at once and it finds the ones the Lord shows us the ones that have seeking hearts. And, and that's, that's worth a lot to um, yeah, one or two people that are trying to evangelize a, a large group of people. Yeah. And you've been on the receiving end as missionaries as well. I mean, you, you didn't have LST teams. Right. But you had other, other types of mission projects that have come. Yes. Um, which are also good, different methods, mm -hmm. but the LST method helps um, provide service, practicing English, and also, like you said, those with seeking hearts. Well, that's funny you say that because, Pete, you were babysitting our kids one time during a gospel meeting, and I remember driving back from the house where I had been while y'all sang with Mark, and we were driving back to the church building, and I remember saying, it's such a waste that Pete was babysitting our children tonight, or he's getting ready to babysit our children. I wish so much that he could share his faith with these people, but you didn't speak German, did you, right. back then? No. 
you know, and and you know that frustration of how more North Americans that are Christian can share their faith in cultures where there just really aren't a lot of believers. The Catholic Church has officially put France on the list of mission sites because there's so much non-belief in France. So, you know, that's the state of the world. Uh, Mark, um, so there's there's lots of methods, lots of things that churches can do to, to reach out. But why um, why should let's start talking? Helps a church become cross cultural, and why why should a church even consider yeah. that? What what's the mm -hmm. advantage of that? Yeah, well, okay. So we've one of the advantages of getting older is that you see how things change. And I was just thinking about when I was a boy growing up in Texas, I didn't know people who were other than me. You know, everybody that I knew was just like I was. I mean, we had this one boy who was a Catholic in our class at school, just one, and that was the only one I ever, I knew for 18 years, you know. And uh, everybody was the same color and everybody was the same, you know, everybody was just the same. Okay, so does anybody doubt that we don't live in that world anymore? <laughs> we do not live in that world anymore. It's a very diverse world. Everybody's confronted with it. I don't know if you think in just one day, if the person you buy donuts from and the person that that uh, uh, you see at the nail salon and the per I mean, just think of all the different places you see people from other countries or other ethnic groups or other nationalities or other races or, or just other than who you are, okay? Um, so uh, if we don't live in that kind of world, why do we think the same things that worked back then in our homogeneous societies are going to work today? Now this, I didn't really learn this here in America, I learned this overseas because we would go to work in countries that were even more homogeneous than we were. Okay, and emphasized. Uh, um, you know, I always, I, my uh, pardon, I beg from those who worked in France. Okay, so here once again, we're kind of knocking on the, knocking on the French, the French again. But you know, the word chauvinistic is French. You know, that's, that's where it comes from. And, uh, and we saw that churches were dying because they were trying to be a Japanese church and only a Japanese church or only this kind, only the nationality that they the were German. living in, only a German church. They didn't want to deal with other kinds of people. They, and those churches were all dying. And so about 15 years ago now, as I think about it, I was asked to, at a, somewhere to give a speech on characteristics of great churches that we had met all over the world. And when I stopped to think about all over the world kinds of churches, the ones who were growing were the ones who were working with the people who were in their neighborhoods and the people who walked in the door. And they didn't care whether they were a particular nationality kind of a church or that everybody looked alike. They loved, tried to love and reach out to everybody that was different. And so, um, just, just you can imagine how this would be if you walked into a church that had a big old sign that said everyone is welcome and you walked into that church and uh, it was one kind of person let's say you're a woman you're looking for a church and you walk into the church and the whole church is just full of men there's not a woman in sight how would you feel and would you ever go back or would you even go in then or reverse it if it's a church full of women and you're a man and you walk in, okay, now that's, and then think about how you would feel if you're a foreigner or an immigrant or a refugee or somebody like that, and you're looking for community, you're looking for help, and you walk into a church and there's nobody there. Okay, so I think that you understand the point, don't you? Our churches, if they're going to be healthy churches, they need to be uh, cross-cultural churches diverse churches and that and I'm not just talking about uh, 
ethnic groups or other nationalities, but in every way. We have to look like the world that we live in here and, uh, and pull that out. Now, okay, so is, does that, that's why I think, to be, and that's the way heaven's going to be too, by the way. The feast is going to have all the nations at the banquet table, and if our churches are going to be in heaven, then we need to look like what heaven's going to look like too. So I think there's a strong biblical principle here for, for intentionally, it doesn't happen automatically, intentionally trying to uh, reach, be a cross-cultural church, one that is the kind of church different kinds of people feel comfortable walking into and being friends with and who reaches out to people of different kinds, which is the way we become cross-cultural. Is that, would you ask me that question now? <laughs> yeah, okay, so how do we get to be cross-cultural? How do we get to be cross-cultural? Well, you have to, number one, you have to do it intentionally. You have to try to be diverse. Because we tend to just cluster in our own little groups of people just like us. So if you want to be a, a, a heavenly, a heaven-bound church, I think you intentionally try to reach out to people who um, are in your community next door, and even the ones, not even the ones, that all, I mean, you just reach out to your neighbors, okay? And the neighbors are diverse, and so if you reach out to your neighbors, and you will be diverse. And one of the th ways you can reach out is offering them what they want. This is how Let's Start Talking got started. Because when we came back from, we worked in Germany for eight years, we came back from Germany and said, we've had so many different kinds of campaign groups and all come, but we were not really making the impact that we wanted to. What could we offer these knuckle-headed Germans that did not want to hear about Jesus, could have cared less. Mm -hmm. What could we offer them, though, that they want? And we said, well, they always want us to help them with their English. Maybe we could do that. But on our hearts was sharing faith, and not just being English teachers. So how could we marry those two and do both? And so we started, we said, well, let's try using Luke. Let's try using the Bible as a text. And, you know, we walked in there with the Bible the first day that we tried to do it, and they said, we don't want to study the Bible. We said, okay. So we went home, and we cut out the lesson out of the Bible, and we pasted it on some pieces of paper, and we wrote some questions on the side, we photocopied it, and we made a workbook out of it, and walked in and said, how about this? They said, oh, yeah, that's great. And so here we are. That's what we did. Exactly that's exactly what we did, and that's why we, because that's something they wanted, and so all, that's what we're doing with Friendspeak, that's what we do with LST overseas still today, trying to find what can we offer people, and we know we can still offer English, there's still such a demand for it, and, the, and your church can too, absolutely, and, or you can, if your church won't, you can do this too, because I don't know how often people walk up and say, well, you know, I went on my LST project 20 years ago, but the other day a Korean lady walked into church and she could barely talk English, but she, nobody could talk to her and we didn't know what to do with her. And so I raised my hand and said, I know what to do with her. And I went home and I found my LST book from 20 years ago and said, could, would you like to come over and let's just sit down and, and read together and I'll help you with your English. She said, oh yes, and gets bright lights in her eyes and so, that's why, that's why we do what we do. And that's how you get to be cross-cultural too. Just God brings you the people. Is he not bringing us the people to our country to, and yeah. So sometimes um, in the LST world, there is the sense in churches or in, in, in a person that, oh, I have to do, I want to do friends speak, which means I, I probably can't do LST, or I'm spending time on working on the LST side, but what, what about friends speaking? It's almost like some people put them in competition, right? But we would argue, and Scott, I want you to share a little bit about what, what's the advantage of actually considering both in your churches, and um, what, why, why would someone want to consider perhaps both? 
instead of being forced just to make a decision on one? I think I'm making up these numbers, but I think they're close. Okay, if you had 100 people in the room in your average church, um, and, and we talk about this method again, a method, right? A method. I think 80% would say we need to do that here because I love my local church, and isn't that that's a fabulous impulse that that sits there, and you know, let's make America great again, you know, or whatever, you know, the ministry version of that, right? And often the most vocal people are those folks, by the way, that's true. And there's an elder that says, oh, yeah, we don't, yeah, well, that's what we need to do. So that's awesome. But I said 80 out of 100, right? I think these numbers are about right, I really do. There are 20 people saying, well, I kind of like to do that overseas. Or I'd like to leave my culture and go into a majority culture. Two missionaries in the back shaking their head. Right. And then there's some of you going, Ooh, I don't want to do that. And usually one side or the other wins. And that's what that's what we don't like because I think you've got to kind of have both. On our first day, we put that picture of North Davis up here. And it was maybe one of the most balanced churches that, that, that we work with. It was Liddell Young. I, thought, I said her name the other day. She said, we need to do this. Let's start talking thing. She was an older woman and just said, we're going to do it. And they began to send upwards of 20, 30 people a year. And the cross-cultural experience people went out and said, oh, we got to come back and do this here. But they came back with passion and expertise. And then there are folks in French speak that just, they're not going to leave the country, and they become the great evangelist. So you can see that it cycles back and forth. That's the healthiest that we can kind of see. Again, it's thinking cross-culturally for the folks that want to think globally. It's thinking cross-culturally for the folks that want to think locally. So that's why we always do kind of say, we, we try not to, you know, have a division of labor in, in, in what we're talking about. I mean, I just love it. There are people that say, I can't go overseas, I can't travel, but I want to do this. So that's why you see you need those folks and you need the folks that say, yeah, I'm going to go to, I'm going to Cambodia. And they come back and they bring that mission passion to it. So that's why we don't, we personally kind of say to a church, we want you to juggle both. And you want to unleash the, the people of both. You really do. So Betty, we haven't asked you a question yet. <laughs> You've been waiting patiently. Uh, so we asked Betty to come and, and share a little bit with you about um, what's going on at the Broadway Church in Lubbock. And uh, maybe tell a story or whatever you want to share with us. So okay. why, you know, what, why the, well, that's going on there? We were kind of new at this. Uh, Broadway is a congregation in Lubbock that is over 120 years old and we have had our heydays and we have had our low days and it seems like in the last 20 years we get so bogged down in issues do we clap our hands do we raise our hands do we have praise teams what can women do uh, do we have musical instruments so for a long time I had been wishing that we had some kind of mission that people could get passionate about and have purpose and, and meaning. And uh, so uh, about just a few years ago, we had a missionary couple named Tim and Rebecca Talley who had been in Kenya for 28 years. And they came home. Well, Tim can't get the missionary spirit out of him. And so he, he and Rebecca decided to be our campus ministers. And so when he started being the campus minister, we're just down the street from Texas Tech University and across town from Lubbock Christian University. Well, he, he opened it up to not only serve college kids, but to serve international students. So at the first of that school year, he sent out all these invitations to international students and had supper for them for the internationals on Friday nights. And, they, and the first time they had over 100 international students that came from all over the world. And that has gone on until, you know, you have a 
Chinese night and they cook Chinese food. You'll have an Italian night and they cook, and then you'll have, you know, just, it, it, they, they have done that for uh, a long time, uh, international. We also had a lady that was, uh, was a good ESL teacher, excellent ESL teacher. So she started teaching um, on Mondays and Tuesday mornings, preparing students for the TOEFL test. And so we have Chinese uh, scholars that come over from China and they are here at Texas Tech for a year and then they'll go back. Well, they, they've got a test they want to pass and it's this TOEFL test. So she was preparing, she, she, they opened, she put out the shingle and all of them started coming for this uh, TOEFL preparation. So then, Tim, that just led into the friend speak. He found out about friend speak, and he he, he said, uh, "Okay, we want we're gonna start doing friend speak on Wednesday nights." And so he extended the invitation. He started training uh, people at Broadway. We had two trainings. The first one, not not a whole lot came, but then the second one, more came because word kind of got out. So uh, we scheduled. The friends speak to be on Wednesday nights, and these Chinese scholars came. They came from Texas Tech, and uh, our people turned out. I saw people coming on Wednesday nights that I hadn't seen there in years, uh, and it was mostly retired people, people on their canes and their walkers, and they were there to teach because all of, from after the training we thought. I could do this. I taught first grade for 39 years. I thought, I can do this. And so um, now there's an air of excitement about in our building. On Wednesday nights, and we once had a teacher, a preacher to tell us that Wednesday night, everything's just dying and we need to quit having Wednesday nights. Well, uh, it's not that way now. There is an air of excitement. Ch Chinese mamas and daddies coming in, in and out of our building. And that's really... It's really something for West Texas uh, because we're all white Americans there. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, really special. It's special to us. Have those little Chinese boys and girls running in and running around our building and uh, just so happy. Well, in, we've been doing it since fall um, of 2018. So it's been going on a little over a year. We've had three baptisms. Uh, one scholar, when he got to the scripture in Acts that talks about Philip and the eunuch, he said, oh, I want to be baptized. And so uh, our workers who have worked with these three baptisms are all in their 80s. And it's so touching because they said, I never thought that I would have a part in baptizing somebody. And um, they, they thought, said, I never thought I'd live that long. So it's, it has been just a real touching thing. Now, I was kind of surprised at the North Davis uh, Chinese people, but letting their picture be made because ours, a lot of them come from like the lady that I have, she teaches English in a Chinese school. And they were told, do not go to any Christian church. <coughs> Do not be baptized. Do not uh, associate with Christians. And so they don't want, we, we were putting their pictures in a, a magazine, you know, we put out for the congregation to know what's going on. And they said, no, 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 we don't want our picture taken. And so uh, we had to go back and take all their pictures out. They did not want other Chinese uh, students to witness their baptism. So we'd have to have a private baptism with just Broadway people there. And uh, because they were afraid of being turned in, it's got kind of got to that point. And uh, my reader, uh, her name is Susan, and uh, she was afraid to take a Bible home. And uh, because her husband is a communist, her sisters are communists, and she and uh, even her son goes to a communist school, so she was afraid, and she was also afraid to be baptized. Uh, so, but uh, so we have had a 
it has been a wonderful thing, the motivation, the passion that we felt, and also the friendships. Uh, I think that's the best thing about, about Friends Speak. I never thought that I would have a Chinese friend. Uh, Susan uh, is, uh, comes from northwestern part of China, not close to far out, and she's only 150 miles from the North Korean border. And uh, not many Christians, I don't think, there, because she's having trouble finding, finding a friend, a Christian friend. She's but she's back home now, and we talk every Sunday morning at seven o'clock, and uh, uh, over WeChat. I didn't even know what WeChat was. To <laughs> but uh, we, all of us, have had fun inviting the Chinese students into our homes for, and, and to be with us on holidays and to uh, uh, have meals together. Uh, I got tickled. Susan came and she brought a friend and a little girl. They took pictures of our front front door, our front house. I mean, you know, they just wanted to record everything. And Susan said, I want to know what butter is. So I got the butter out and spread it on bread. And she was so excited to know what butter is. So then the next time she came, I thought, I really need to show her how we eat in the South. So, I, so we had cornbread and black-eyed peas and fried over and I served butter. And so uh, they loved to go to Costco. And uh, before she left to go back home, she wanted to go buy vitamins at Costco, candy at Costco, everything, because they didn't have a Costco. And even going to Chick-fil-A, and she and I ate together right before she left, and when our salads were brought to us, she just sighed and said, only in America do you have such freedom. And I've never thought about Chick-fil-A being a place of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I found out they're so eager to know our customs and our culture. Mm -hmm. And they see something different in our friendliness, our openness, our generosity. And she said, Christians are different. And you know, it's all because of Jesus. It's all the first time, first couple of times we read together, she was really eager to to know more. She kept saying, "Well, who is David? Who is Abraham?" Oh my goodness, that's a whole other that's a whole another hour or two to talk about. But she kept wanting to know more, and then finally she said, "Now, is this just a Chinese fairy tale?" Um, and I said, "No, this is the truth. God wrote this book through men," and I. I said, it is God-breathed. And so uh, after she got back home, she was afraid to take a Bible with her. And then when she got back home, she regretted it. And so she said, I really wish I'd taken that Bible. And she told me I'd given her one of my husband's Bibles, and she said, now that is my Bible, and I'm going to come back someday and get it. Mm -hmm. And, well, I said, I'll just mail it to you. So we packed it up and mailed it to her and she never got it. Mm -hmm. And after three months, she was still saying, I wish I had a Bible. So mm -hmm. I went out and bought another little Bible and and um, took it to UPS and paid an astronomical amount to make it. <laughs> but she got it in four days, just mm -hmm. in time for her April 7th birthday. And she, the last time I talked to her, she said, I've been reading the Old Testament. And she said, you know, it's hard to understand. Yeah. <laughs> I need a teacher. And I thought about the, the eunuch. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, and then at Easter, she said, you know, I have this app on my phone, and I have been listening to the Ten Commitments. <laughs> oh, the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and she said, yes. She said, there's a lot of violence in that show. And so, uh, I'm just trying to think how to mm -hmm. condense the Old Testament down to about two pages. <laughs> but um, this has opened up a whole new world for us. Um, I grew up in a little town called Shamrock, Texas. Went 200 miles away to Abilene, Texas to school. 
went 200 miles away to uh, Lubbock and been there ever since. So to have a friend like this who is so eager and so sweet and wonderful and, and, uh, and we have formed such a good friendship. And you know, I, I draw faith from Isaiah 55 that says, my word will not come back to me empty. Mm -hmm. And so I truly believe that. And, uh, and so uh, I think Friend Speak has really been a blessing for our church. Wow. So if we can't pull a Y out of there. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Well, so we have about 10, 10 minutes. And we'll get out on time today because we still have beach time. 415. Uh, yeah. Did you know there's a beach here? Yeah. So what, you know, some of you have journeyed with us all week. Some of you are, are new today with us. What? What are some of your questions? We can answer, or anybody in the audience, perhaps. Uh, so when you get together with your, does everybody get together at the same time with their readers in the same place, or do you just do it whenever you can, or how does that work? Well, it really depends on uh, how how your church, how you set it up. We so have, there's no format? No, okay. we, we can give you suggestions uh, for your situation, but I, I don't, do you get, what's your uh, situation? We have a lower level that's a big room. And we just have round tables and uh, a certain and day of the week and a certain time. Wednesday, Wednesday night at six thirty. And so the Chinese scholars come and and our people come and we just match up and, and do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. We do that a lot and we encourage it because there's some sense of location and place and community. Uh, I also think of Miss Kay, who's ninety one, in Austin, Texas. Starbucks clears out a cor her corner every Tuesday morning for her reader. Yeah, that they've been together four years, and uh, she's like a son. He's like a son to her. So we kind of have, we try to help the church figure that stuff out. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, great question. What level of English do they know? I mean, I'm looking at this, and and will I be working with people that can read it? Yes. Yeah. What if they can't read it? Now what do I do? So Find that's, an ESL teacher. Yeah. Hmm? Find an ESL teacher. Yeah. English so, we're, so we're not an ESL uh, uh -huh. They probably wouldn't have gotten, but, I mean, if they're university students, they probably wouldn't have gotten into the university if they didn't have some English, right? Mm -hmm. right. I'm thinking that may or may not be at a university right. study. You know, and it may be that if you read it to them mm -hmm. and then start asking open-ended questions, you'll find out that they, they can understand it. They just can't read it. Because often you understand the spoken language before you can read it. I, you know, one of the things, I'm thinking of Chinese, but I'm thinking of Spanish. We have Spanish, uh, mm -hmm. we're one congregation, but I don't know the Spanish, you know? Um, and if, I, if, if they want to know English, do they have, if they're not, speaking the English, right. they don't know the English. Right, so the, this program is really designed for people to practice their English. Okay. So they are, are already learning English, okay. they've had it somehow, somewhere, but they don't have someone maybe to practice, have a conversation partner. Okay. So there are lots of ESL programs that can bring them from zero to mm -hmm. third, fourth, fifth grade level. Mm -hmm. And then that's where we shine in being able to help them practice mm -hmm. their English. So, uh, I'm going to just share our experience with that question. Um, we uh, live in Massachusetts, and we, four or five years we've been doing summers. But this past year, we were able to start it every week, you know, having students. So we have about 15 students a week, um, and uh, generally about 60 during the summer. And so we're getting ready for uh, a session to come up. But. Uh, one student that I had, uh, I have, and of course, I don't really follow the rules uh, with the, uh, some of it, um, in terms of this, um, when we, as we do it day by day and week by week, um, I have taken some students who haven't known how to read very well, and um, what I have done with that is, because it kind of keeps the door open a little bit, uh, I've been able to take them in small groups 
um, and basically do some ESL kind yeah. of things, even mm -hmm. though I'm not a certified teacher, yeah. and I never make that, I, I never tell them that I am, and mm -hmm. tell them I'm not, but um, so, um, you know, f find some simple things online. A pic mm -hmm. um, we just bought a really nice pictorial dictionary uh, and, you know, help help with that. And when we have like a, a two-week mission trip as, you know, as we're going to have, I don't really let, I don't let the uh, French speak people do that. I'll, I'll take those to, uh, you know, during that particular time, I'll take those students because they're prepared and ready to go with, with French speak. But then I have a, a man right now, his name is Mohammed. Uh, he is from um, uh, Iraq. And I, uh, I've, I've done the French speak, uh, the booklet, uh, you know, done that. He can, he can read it, but boy, he just has such a hard time understanding. And so mm -hmm. we started back in the summer, you know, even continued through the year, and it's just, he's, he's about 60, and, um, but I gave him one day, he was in, I, I do my class in the, the children's classroom uh, in the church, uh, colorful and, you know, that kind of thing, but I let him look at a children's illustrated Bible mm. one day, mm -hmm. and he got so excited about that, mm -hmm. and um, I said, sure, I'll, I'll let you have it. I'm, I'm, and let him have it mm -hmm. and he took it and so every week now we've actually been reading the children's illustrated bible mm -hmm. um, he and i and then i noticed he had written this arabic uh, in the in the lines and um, so and he told me he goes home and he reads it to his seven-year-old sister and they read the stories. Oh my. And they just absolutely love doing mm. that together. Mm -hmm. And so, sorry, LST, it's not Luke. No, you're and it's not Luke. <laughs> but no complaints. We like the Bible. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's uh, in some ways in your, in your home setting, uh, we're, we're there all the time. You can have a little bit of flexibility uh, in doing that and, you, you know, kind of deviate from the. The program, but those who yeah. kind of been trained for it, you want them to be able to use uh, what they've been equipped to do, mm -hmm. and doing that book is, um, it, you know, is the better approach. Yeah. Thank you. Thank well, you, for sharing that. you say there's a phone number, so they're going to call a phone number, and somebody's going to answer it, mm -hmm. you know, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, what are they going to ask them? Are they going to ask them, do you read English? What? How? How are they going to find out? I'll tackle that. We're next up here, Janine. We, we list the number, and when they call someone, that, that way there's a person they're talking to. And really, there are probably two competent, two things that we really wrestle. Three things. Information. You know, come near this meeting, do whatever. We're listening to see if their English is probably in a place to be able to do this. And then, and we've talked about this before, we make sure they know that they're coming to a church and we're going to be using the gospel of Luke from the Bible mm. so there's no bait and switch we hate all that stuff mm -hmm. and so we're, but we're you're not asking them their level of expertise or anything we're ascertaining it at okay. some level and maybe the phone conversation okay. I think too I used to um, meet with our with the readers that came in first mm -hmm. you know so every time before I placed them with a partner I would um, yeah. have an hour with them and talk to them and kind of, you know, you could assess their levels and assess personality, those kinds of things. Pray about it and try to, you know, fit them with the right, right partner because some partners are able to, to understand a little bit easier or use simpler English when they're, when they're talking than other people can. And so, um, so I, you know, that's what we did with every, everyone that came in. Came, so. yeah, yeah, came through me first. So you kind of hear the kind of tailor making it mm -hmm. to yeah. work in, in your scenario. What other questions? We have about three more minutes. I'm just going to throw this out because she threw me out when I walked back in after <laughs> stepped out for a phone call. Um, I started a campus ministry up in Buffalo, New York some time ago. And uh, we use let's start talking friends speak, and then we went to um, we reached out to many people, and our church started reading with somewhere it was a smaller church, somewhere around 100, 
and we started reaching out to somewhere around 45 people a week at, at the height of it. And our church has never been that evangelistic. It was amazing. And from that, we started doing Let's Start Talking, and we went to the Philippines, Japan, Mexico, and China. And then they continue to go, and they continue to help fund a, a missionary that's in uh, the Philippines. And then we moved, as a result of that, we moved to China and were missionaries there. And then we started receiving teams. And then from that, we uh, helped the, the local church in China there to take that on, and they do it now. I don't think there's any Americans or foreigners there, and they do it all themselves, and they continue that. Um, and then we moved back to the States, and we started with a church in um, Tucson, Arizona. And that church was mostly elderly and, and some younger families. And the, the folks that were older and retired, they had lots of time, and they really loved making friends and having these people that adored them, and they went on vacation with them. And that, even as the, the horrible tragedy of it is that we closed the church, but many of those people are still doing the ministry there um, in, in town and reaching out to the local oh. university and all of that. Um, and so I would, I would say if you're looking for something that is going to help your church dynamically shift to more open, more receptive, more willing to share the gospel, this is a great format for that. Thank you, Andrew. Right. Thank, you. Thank you for sharing that. How did you get your 45 people up in Buffalo, New York? Where did you find them? At the university. At the university. I, was, I shifted from being the church preacher guy to the campus minister, and I was on the campus. So you just looked for people that... Uh, we just had a sign out, and I'd put them up around the campus, and people would flood, and then they'd bring their friends, and more friends, and more friends. And we had people from India, from uh, Japan, from uh, China, from Korea, uh, quite a few other countries too. You don't always know who you're going to be working with. Yeah. And this is our principle from earlier of working with whoever walks in there. Many churches, especially here in the South, Southwest, you know, who think they're going to be working with Hispanics primarily because that's who we live with around. And sometimes that's the case, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's Albanians that walk in the door, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, or something. It's just a very interesting. God's in control. Yeah, I'll, can I speak to that? For the, we, we had a program in um, Michigan, in the Detroit, Michigan area, and, and because we our experience was in Honduras, we had done mission work in Honduras, we thought we would target the Hispanic community because we knew there was an Hispanic community. And so we, we advertised, we put flyers up in, in little uh, Hispanic uh, grocery stores and didn't get much response from that. And, yeah, and and then um, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but mm -hmm. but somehow we got a call from uh, from an Asian woman, and um, and then within within three weeks we we had we had 25 Asian people coming, and it was all word of mouth. And and so if you're worried about how to advertise. God's got you covered because uh, yeah. the word of mouth is by far the best, yep. best. And even and if you're not in a university setting and you're worried about where you're going to get people from, don't worry about that. There are people are everywhere. There, yeah. I just wanted to share that Mark and I read with a um, an Indian couple. They're both computer experts. They have full-time jobs. They're immigrants here. They have two children. They live here permanently. Her she speaks English faster than I do. Um, speaks great English. She does French speak because she wants to improve her accent. Mm -hmm. yeah. She wants to lose her Indian accent. Mm -hmm. Kim, I know you could go well, on. Well, we and could on. go on and on, and I promise we would be finished. <laughs> <laughs> Four fifteen. So let let's finish. But you'll be around. We'll all be around to um, answer any more questions or share any more stories. Leslie has um, materials. If you want some more material to take with you. Uh, we do thank you for coming. Um, I think we've, I think, answered the, the question why quite well today, but I do want to finish with Isaiah 55, um, starting at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, 
and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout, and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be, but, excuse me, so will my word be which comes out of my mouth, it will not return to me void. And we just need to remember that's the Amen. why. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah. thanks so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you.